you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Master Bash. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, October 31st, Halloween, and live from the Sh- Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, in these times, writer Miles Camflassen is back, it's union man Ed Maher, and... Tony Macaluso of the Studs Turkle Archive. And now your host. For those downloading, he's Brad Pitt from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for Halloween. <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yeah, hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this The Strikes Over. Not Thursday. And here's why. Brianna says, not Brad Pitt, Bad Pitt. Oh. <laughs> That's really Brianna's good. got a million of them. Hey, awesome. uh, you know, uh, she's like the Lisa Lampanelli of the... Uh, uh, does anybody know who Lisa Lampanelli is? Of course, is? people okay. know who Lisa Lampanelli is. Lisa is a very funny comedian. All right, anyway. <clears throat> focus, Ben, mm-hmm. focus. So I was uh, watching the World Series last night, D, when the I got hit with breaking news. Breaking news. Boom, boom. The TV. I was in a bar. The TV and the other, uh, down the, the bar for me, which wasn't turned to the uh, World Series, uh, showed uh, that the teachers had voted to accept the contract, and the strike is over. Yeah, woo Go teachers! We love you, teachers. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. There was more breaking news. Uh, it turns out they came with a caveat. Oh, I love that word, caveat. Oh. A caveat that the teachers said we accept the terms of the agreement, uh, but we want the board to make up the Chicago Public Schools, the mayor to make up the days that we took off uh, for the strike. The days were lost to the strike. I think how many days was it, D? Nine? Well, today's 11. Today's 11. You know, my beloved bright one yesterday was taking to listing the days, but somehow or other they stopped counting. Uh, we're exhausted with that. So anyway, uh, day 11. So they want to make up for the day 11. And then boom, on the TV, almost it's like almost right after that came Lori Lightfoot going, harumph. No, we're not going to do it. Oh, oh. oh, those are our words, huh? Yeah, harumph. She's starting to sound a little like a Tribune editorial. You know, because you know what? When you think about it right now, this strike, Lori's greatest allies have been the Chicago Tribune's editorial board. And so, you know, at times like that, you just sort of become like the people that like you. If anybody ever wants to know how to not book Lori Lightfoot on your program, there you go. That's how you do it. Well, you know, I mean, it's just true. Their biggest friends during the strike about the Tribune's editorial board and basically their Tribune's, their editorials can be boiled down to one word. Harumph! Okay? Harumph! What's that banker's name in uh, It's a Wonderful Life? That's what the Tribune editorial board is like, Hurumph! no, can't do it. More money for us. Ugh, those teachers. Anyway, so, uh, you know, it's like if, if there's kids out there following this, like to help you out, okay? Youngsters out there. I'm always trying to help youngsters, D, okay? Understand the ways of the world. Look at you. Because I'm wise. I've been around a while, all right? I'm old, okay? D, I've seen <laughs> things, okay? So here you go, folks. You Kiddies, this is what you got to learn. <laughs> Kiddies. 
He loves you guys. When teachers go on strike, championing issues that help school children, it's, oh my God, what a shame. The poor school children, they're losing a day in school and every day is sacred. When the teachers say, okay, we're done with the strike. We want to make up the days that were lost to the strike. It's, oh no, suddenly they're not sacred anymore. They're only sacred when we want them to be sacred. So school days being sacred is just not like a sacred thing. It's kind of a, like a movable thing. It's a negotiating thing. So right now I'm trying to just keep straight. School days are not sacred. You got that D? It's like everything else when it comes to teachers, schools, and poor kids. We love teachers. We love schools. Schools are sacred. School days are sacred. We want to do what we can to help poor kids. We feel so sorry for them until the teachers stand up to do something for them. Then suddenly, like, we don't like teachers. We don't like schools. We don't want to pay any money. And beep those poor kids. Let me remind you, everybody. The teachers of the city of Chicago went on strike, not over money. The money really hasn't changed from the get-go. The overriding advice given to the teachers of the city of Chicago from the smartest, brightest people who run this city is shut up and take the money. Teachers went on strike over issues like too many kids in a classroom, not enough nurses in the school system, not enough librarians or social workers or counselors. And the attitude from the get-go from the people who run this city was shut up and take the money. Don't worry about those things like classroom size. Leave that to us. We want to cram 42 kids in a classroom like they're sardines in a can. Anyway, that uh, that was the party line. That was the line that, that existed from day one of this strike. And now here we are at the fairy tale end of the strike. And the teachers are saying, all right. And by the way, they're not that happy about it. We'll get into that later, D. I know you have some clips. We're gonna, we, I've been hearing from teachers. <laughs> they're not that happy, a lot of teachers, with this strike. Uh, I'm excusing with this settlement. So what did Sue Garza say? Sue Garza, Alderman, uh, Alderwoman Sue Garza, the pride and joy of the southeast side of Chicago. Uh, remember, Who which, always calls you Javorski. Yeah, <laughs> just like Tom Tresser. Uh, that's okay. I love both of them. All right, D? Uh, and uh, Sue Garza said that if you come from a strike with one one side is happy, uh, then you know uh, it's not been a successful strike. Everybody should be a little unhappy in a strike. That's how it works in the collective bargaining agreement. Uh, that's was Sue uh, Sadlowski. Gar- Sadlowski Sa- I can't hey, get her she name. She says your last yeah. name wrong. Yes, Sue Jaworski Garza. <laughs> uh, that was her opinion, and she knows a thing or two about strikes and union. Her dad was a legendary uh, steel workers uh, leader, w- w- uh, leader of the steel workers union. So anyway. Uh, teachers are not completely happy, but they're willing uh, to go back, even though they're not didn't get everything they want. They just want uh, Lori to add some days to the calendar, and Lori's like, you know, I've got a feeling that Lori really doesn't like certain members of the Chicago teacher. I got a feeling this is personal, D. Just saying that they've been locked in this room together, and she doesn't like them. Well, so they've been fighting each other. Metaphorically okay. fighting, okay? Well, it's a go, metaphor. Ksh, ksh, ksh. Well, it's a so metaphorical. Like fighting. Yeah, but, well, they kind of arguing strenuously. <laughs> okay, I won't go. I'll go. That's By the way, did I tell you I'm Brad Pitt? Oh, show the camera now. Don't show me. Look at that. Oh. So, anyway, come on, Lori. 
teachers aren't completely happy. You shouldn't be happy either. Let's cut this deal. Let's get this strike over. And then we can go back to pretending that we love kids and love schools and love teachers. Even though it took the teachers Yay going for on our strike. Teachers. Yay for our teachers. It took teachers going on strike to finally force this city, kicking and screaming every step of the way, to even talk about lowering class size. We got a great show today, everybody. Miles Complassen will be in here. I'm sure he's got a lot of thoughts on the teacher strike, the pride and joy of in these times. Camp Flassen. What did I say? Comp. Oh, look at you. Suddenly you know everything about it. <laughs> ben, did I tell you his name is Camp Lassen? Uh, he'll be talking about uh, the teacher strike. He'll be talking about, oh my goodness, he's got Bernie updates. National. Po- By the way, while we're uh, obsessed with the teacher strike, there's an impeachment vote going on in the, in the Congress today, D. We got to keep our eye on the ball. All right, young man? Okay. Uh, lots of news out there, and uh, Miles will discuss it. Uh, Ed Maher will be here, union man Ed Maher. He'll be talking teacher strike. We're talking strikes in general. Really love to pick his brain uh, to see you know what the, how difficult it is to get striking members of a union uh to go back to work what you know to get them to agree with the terms of a contract that are hammered out at the table love to hear his thoughts on that and plus maybe ask him some impeachment stuff uh as well uh and then uh tony macaluso will be here studs turkle archives he's our correspondent in london all right yeah ben dresky shows correspondent fancy yeah we talk about brexit are we We skyping him uh no he'll be (laughs) Um, yeah, we have high technology, folks. That's Skyping. We do Skyping. Oh, he's here. Yeah, he's here. Oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool. Like, you'll be getting a text from him in the middle of the show. Oh, uh, great. I am here. Uh, I'll run outside <laughs> and grab him. Uh, so, <laughs> better you than me. I'll interrupt the interview with Ed Brock. Ed, I got to go get the next guest. Uh, so anyway, plenty of political talk, national, local, state, teacher strike stuff. We're going to... We're going to listen to Tony. Uh, Tony. We're going to listen to Lori and Stacy. And you got some Jesse in there. We're going to be some interesting uh, breakdown of the teacher strike. All that news ahead of us. The young man from Alton, pride and joy of the 618, the man they call the doctor with the news. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Let's talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Wait, Tim, aren't you going to say your name? My name's Dennis. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everybody. Everybody's weighing in on the live stream chat. How's it going, everybody? Yeah, everybody says you look nothing like Brad Pitt. Okay. (laughs) No public event scheduled for our Illinois governor today. Ben, it's an annoyingly snowy Thursday afternoon here in the city of Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's Halloween. Tell me, what do you think Governor J.B. Pritzker is doing right now? Uh, Let's see. It's uh, 120. J.B.'s kicking back, man. Oh. what, What is he always doing at 120 on a Thursday? He's listening to this show. Uh, okay, okay. What do you think he's What's got any Halloween on, plans today? Uh, yes, he's going trick-or-treating on the Gold Coast. All right? Okay, it's where he lives. You remember the mansion? <laughs> Holy cow. I bet if you're a kid trick-or-treating at the Gold Coast. He's going Coast. as a plumber. Oh, God, that was oh, a terrible okay. joke. Sorry, oh, man. Right. Okay. You That's can't so 2018. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so not a lot of statewide news happening today, so let's just get right to the Chicago teacher strike. And, hey. You don't need to ask Lori Lightfoot what she is for Halloween this year because we are now in day 11 of the teacher strike, and it's obvious. She's an exhausted Chicago mayor. No, she's going as a Tribune editorial board writer. Harumph! (laughs) Once again, if you ever need tips on how to not get Lori Lightfoot on your program, that's how you Harumph! These teachers! Good God! Now, as Ben and I rode the brown line home last night, he gets off at Irving, I get off at Kedzie. We were almost certain that the city of Chicago and the Chicago Teachers Union would have cut a deal, and we would be right here talking about it today. But, people, not the case. The Chicago Teachers Union voted in favor of a contract Wednesday night, 
But Ben, trick or treat! Trick! As the deal was coming to a close, Mayor Lightfoot drew the line when it came to allowing teachers to add instructional days, which would let teachers make up pay for the days they were on strike. So, treat! The Chicago Teachers Union said no deal and returned to the picket line. CTU President Jesse Sharkey called the tentative agreement, quote, a contract we can believe in, but pointed to a sticking point the mayor's opposition to making up lost days. The following comes from chalkbeat.org. And uh, hats off to the people working at for this uh, website. They've been top-notch with their coverage of the teacher strike here. You can read the entire tentative agreement on their website. Wow. Once again, chalkbeat.org. The Chicago Teachers Union brought, uh, brought a tentative contract agreement to its 700-member House of Delegates for consideration last night. After a heated debate, the delegates voted 364 to 242 to accept the deal as long as the city allows members to make up their missed work days. We have audio from both sides of the bargaining table, but before we play it, Benny J, your thoughts on day 11 here, the Chicago teacher strike. Well, that 364 to 242, uh, first of all, if it was Donald Trump, he'd be claiming it was a mandate. Uh, but uh, of course, when it comes to a, uh, approving a teacher's contract or a union contract, it's considered a tight vote. It was a very contentious debate, as I heard everybody was uh, expressing their opinions. Uh, and b by the way, if, if you know anything about teachers, you put a, a how many how many teachers is that D? You put 700 teachers in a room, you're going to get 800 uh, ideas. <laughs> Uh, and uh, so they were letting it, letting it have it. It's a very democratic union. Uh, it's Oh, my God. It's like reader writers. You put reader writers in a room t talking about their contract, and uh, everybody's got an opinion. Everyone's smart. Everyone wants to articulate it. So, I listen, everybody knows where I stand. I've been pro-teachers from the get-go. I'm like the opposite of the Tribune's editorial board. And... Uh, uh, Ultimately, I said it from the get-go, and I, I repeat it, D the issues that the teachers were raising in this strike, class size and uh, nurses and librarians and counselors, are not issues that should be settled in a collective bargaining uh, procedure. It should be issues that the city as a whole recognizes are really important. And so the city powers that be should not be dragged, kicking and screaming to what? Lower class size, legitimately lower class size. They should be dedicating those uh, resources to do that on their own because they think it's the right thing to do. But the fact of the matter, folks, in this city, it is always a struggle to get the people who run this city to pay money to help poor people. That is a fact. And a lot of rookie teachers I know, first-timers who are encountering their first strike, their first negotiations, are coming face-to-face -to -face with the reality that they are serving a population that, by and large, the city doesn't really care about and doesn't have a lot of clout. And it's not like a developer who's going to get, uh, has lawyers and go into city hall and lobbyists and go into city hall and get meetings with the mayor and the chief alderman and get them to bend at their will or who have representatives in city hall that are come from the same law firms that they do. It's a different ball game. You're forcing people to do something they wouldn't do ordinarily. And so it's a, it's a tough, sobering lesson uh, for a lot of rookie teachers. And I feel for them. Because if this keeps up, they'll be as cynical and as skeptical as I am, D. Don't be like Ben, all right? Oh, please Keep don't. that optimism and uh, keep that uh, good faith in humanity <laughs> as long as you can. He's one of a kind for a reason, okay? All right, so we started with the teachers uh, Wednesday. So the mayor is up first today. Shout out to ABC7 Chicago for the audio. Here's Mayor Lightfoot. 
Happy Halloween. We wanted to uh, provide you with a brief update. Um, we are working hard to try to get our kids back in school. As I said last night, I'm pleased that the CTU recognized the historic offer that they had in front of them and said yes to it. But here we are, still not back in school day 11. We have been told by the CTU that they will end the strike only if we agree to make up all the days missed due to the strike. They have basically issued a take it or leave it demand. They get 11 days back or the strike continues. That's simply a non-starter. As I said all along, negotiations are about good faith and both sides must have a spirit of compromise. That's what the CPS bargaining team brought to the table every single day. But none of this works without that spirit of compromise. If the CDU wants to have a conversation in that spirit of compromise, then of course I'm willing to listen. This new demand to make up all the um, missed days, as I said last night, was never on the table. And as I said, we can allow the CTU leadership to continue to make repeated new demands and move the goalposts unilaterally and repeatedly. Let's set the right example for our kids who have already suffered far too much. Let's come together, let's get this done so we can get our students back in school tomorrow. All right, let's get it done. By the way, I just got to say this this wasn't on the table. uh, Lori Lightfoot made a unilateral statement at some point, I can't remember when, at the start of the strike, I've lost track of time, that she will not repeat, will not, under any circumstances, uh, be making up the days. Uh, So, you know, like who? she's accusing the CTU of doing what she did, just making a unilateral, well, it wasn't a demand, it was an order. So, you know, hey, it's give and take D, all right? So at least she's saying, I'm open to listen to them. Uh, Maybe by the end of the day, they'll settle on a number of days that they'll make up and they'll get this thing over. It's a lot of pride at stake here, you know, a lot of face saving, uh, still blaming the other side for what went down. But I'm going to keep repeating this, folks. I'll say it again. And to me, this is the most important takeaway from this strike. Until the teachers went on strike, the city of Chicago, the leaders of the city of Chicago, corporate Chicago, civic Chicago, editorial Chicago, was not even talking about things like class size or nurses. It wasn't on the table to use their terms. It was vague promises, as you know in the city. You've been here a long time, people. You know vague promises are just that. They're just like dust that just blows away in the wind. So until the teachers took that stand, it was all talk. But, you know, hey, okay, you know, now the teachers took their stand and they're making one last demand. Some might say, how about in the spirit of compromise, we call it a request. How about Shay? Okay. Little compromise. Request. And so. Hey, what happened to your costume? Oh, sorry, man. He's Brad Pitt from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hey, man. <laughs> Oh, wow. wow. You know, I think I want to go in there myself. I'm going to go check it out myself. Anybody seen that movie knows what I'm talking about. It's the scene at the ranch. I think I'll go look myself. That's my boss's car. That's How many times have you look. seen the movie, by the way? I've only seen it three times. Three times. <laughs> only theaters. three. By the way, it's coming out in uh, a DVD form with like special half hour of director's cut. Yep, I'll buy it. Anyway, so um, let's make a compromise. All right, everybody? Yeah, come on. All right, the teachers want 10 days. Lori does want any days what five would that be a good compromise day all right isn't that the half five ten what yeah so there we go man if i was ruling the world everybody was like may we get along d 
Now, uh, we're going to play a little bit. From, we're, we got more from Lori Lightfoot to play here, but we got to play uh, audio from CTU President Jesse Sharkey. Uh, they gave a press conference last night about the details here. So we're going to play a little bit of Jesse Sharkey here. Then we're going to go back to Lightfoot. Here's Jesse Sharkey. Tonight, the Chicago Teachers Union's House of Delegates voted to approve a tentative agreement with the Chicago Public Schools. We believe this is an agreement which will produce real, lasting benefits in our schools. It's a contract we, that we can believe in. It has meaningful improvements in class size, in staffing, and a number of other features which we believe will help transform public schools in Chicago. There's one issue, however, that's an important issue. Our union does not have a return to work agreement. Our delegates told us, in no uncertain terms, that we are not going back to work unless there is a provision made for making up the instructional days that have been lost over the last 10 days. Our members want to return to work. Everyone was clear about that. However, the mayor of the city of Chicago said that we will not be able to make up lost instructional days. As teachers in the city who, who educate students, we have a number of requirements. We teach a curriculum that is mandated by the state. We deliver instruction to students who take third grade benchmarks. We deliver, we give instruction to students who take important tests. We need instructional time with those students. This has been an argument the city has made. This has been an argument that we've seen in the Sun Times and other newspapers. They said you can't lose instructional time. And we do not understand why the mayor cannot simply call and say, we'll give you an agreement to make up the instructional time. If the mayor calls, and I take that call, and she says that we have an agreement on that, we'll be back at work tomorrow. If she does not call, then we're continuing to be on strike tomorrow. Yeah, that was Jesse Shark. By the way, citing the Sun Times. How about that? There you go. Sun Times editorials. He he left out the part of the Sun Times editorial where they said, "Shut up and take the money." But uh, he quoted the part that uh, worked for him. Look, the teachers were not happy. A lot of teachers were unhappy with this uh, contract deal, and I don't blame them because in per, a certain line, we'll get into this a uh, little while. So part of the this is not a. Um, this is like the first step toward dealing with a very serious problem in the city of Chicago, and that is the fact we have so many overcrowded schools, and we have so many overcrowded schools because we don't have a great system for dealing with population changes, demographic changes, et cetera, and we don't have language that specifies that the, the, the Board of Education of Chicago Public Schools must, must enforce a hard cap on the number of kids are in school, must hire the teachers if necessary to alleviate problems of overcrowdedness. This has been an age-old problem that that I've been reading about and writing about and talking to teachers about since I moved to the city in the 80s. So here it is, 2019, and we're still dealing with, this is like the first little step, the first little half step. I can remember doing stories about this in the 90s where the, at the start of the school year, they would just be shuffling teachers around to try to figure out how to deal with like a population change that led to one school to have over, be overcrowded and another school to be under-enrolled. This is, it's like something's never, change in the city of Chicago. And the bottom line, I'll repeat this, I should get it on a t-shirt. It's because the powers that be in the city do not care about issues of class size in poor schools. That's a fact. If they cared about it, they would have dealt with it. If they cared about it as much as they care about developing an already gentrifying neighborhood on the north side of Chicago, they would have dealt with it. They dealt with that, boom. There was no, no one had to go on strike to get that $1.3 billion for Lincoln Yards. No one had to go on strike to get the $1.1 billion for the 78. 
I've never seen anybody have to go on strike to get money for an upscale TIF deal in the city of Chicago. I've been covering them since the 90s. But to get more teachers in poor schools so you don't have 42 kids in a classroom, got to go on strike for that. And then they kick and scream and complain the whole time before they finally take that first step to doing the right thing. So teachers are irritated. They're like, we went on strike for 10 days in the cold and the snow and all this stuff, and this is the best we got. Well, all I can say is teachers, welcome to the world of Chicago. <laughs> welcome to the world of reality. Yeah, that's what it took to get this first step. It's an important first step, but that's what it took. Now the teachers say, all right, we, we agree to this, which is a watered down, um, version of what we asked for if you make this concession and lori's like uh no i tell you what i gotta give lori life for credit on this front she's a corporate lawyer to the very end you wouldn't want to have to negotiate with her d could you imagine oh, negotiating no. with her oh my god <laughs> yeah man she, awful she's she, hey i gotta give her credit she, she was a lifelong corporate lawyer she uh made a good living and she's obviously very good at what she does right. but it, in this particular case Old Jesse Sharkey's put a demand on the table. See where this goes. All right, we're getting live updates here as the show uh, is going on here. Uh, we got here, it says, Lightfoot willing to negotiate on CPS makeup days. That's in the Chicago Sun-Times. Looks like all the uh, Chicago political pundits and uh, reporters are online here saying Mayor Lightfoot says there's a deal to be back in school tomorrow. Five days will uh, be made up. Wait, didn't I just say that? I... Correct. <laughs> Man, I'm not even on the internet, and I said that. Well, they say ten. She's got to go five. That's how you cut a deal. Miles, Miles knows that. Miles been cutting deals from back in the day of Whitney Young. All right, back in the cafeteria, he was cutting deals. All right. It says here, CTU uh, local Jesse Sharkey declines to join Lightfoot and Jackson Impressor. So. Oh, wow. It's, it's to the end. Oh, till the end. I'm not going there until we cut this deal. Hardball, baby. All right, so we have more audio to play here. Let's hear from Lori Lightfoot. This was earlier this morning during a press conference in regards to day 11 of the Chicago teacher strike. What I'm not willing to do is a take it or leave it unilateral demand, which is what they've given. I haven't heard anything new from them. I, haven't, I have no sense that they are willing to compromise. If they want to come to the table in a spirit of compromise, I'm certainly willing to listen. Yesterday, Jesse said that um, he's waiting for your call for <laughs> to talk about it. He's waiting for my call. Okay. Um, so, will you call him and, and uh, offer up a compromise? They gave us a unilateral take it or leave it demand. I think the ball's in their court. I'm here all day. I'm going to be working and continuing the business of the city. If they'd like to have a conversation, they know how to find me. Man, that's so funny. I'm waiting for but But you got to love the reporters, right? Uh, you know, the reporters are like those guys, the reporters like uh, in the wrestling match. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you champ, this is what uh, your opponent said about you. What do you think of that? They put the microphone right in uh, Lori Lightfoot's face, you know? Uh, hey, man, just make the phone. See, that's, D, that's why I would never I'd be good at negotiations. I'm always willing to make, you know that. I'm oh, always, yeah. you, D will say, hey, get this guy on the, on the phone. Boom, I make the call right there and then, right? That happened today. The, Yes, it happened today. And more often than not, they don't take the call. You know, that's just the way people are. They, they, they don't answer their phones anymore. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, you know, Lori Lightfoot's not making that call. She didn't rise to the top of corporate Chicago, uh, the legal field, by making phone calls. You got to call her. That's how it works. You got to call her. And Jesse Shark, you saying, I'm not calling you. I didn't make it to the top of the Chicago Teachers Union by making phone calls to mayors. 
So someone's got to call someone. I'll make the call. How about that, D? You know, I'll make the phone call, right? Wait, do I still have Lori Lightfoot's number? No, I don't have Lori Lightfoot's number anymore. I don't think I ever had Lori Lightfoot's number. You got Lori Lightfoot's number? You were hanging around with her at the Labor Day parade. Oh, yeah, Carson hanging around with her. Yeah, we you know. played hack sack. It was fantastic. So Just took a picture I know somebody who knows Lori Lightfoot. I would call that person right now. All right, and uh, well, as these new updates become available, these updates I have here are just getting older and older by the minute. No. But when you have audio of Stacy Davis oh. Gates, you gotta play it. Come all right, on. Miles, you gotta hear it. Stacy Davis. All Gates. right, she's vice president of the Chicago Teachers Union, and she's our friend. <laughs> it's SDG. There was debate. The vote was not unanimous. So let me tell you, teachers are some of your most well-read individuals. Period. They do not mind speaking their mind. If you can get 25,000 teachers out on the streets, we didn't get them there because they follow blindly. We don't get them there because they just trust people. These are individuals who ask questions, who interrogate information, who have an analysis, and, 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 and figure out how to make a vote. We do not expect consensus in our house. I need to say that again. We do not expect consensus in our house. What happened here tonight was absolutely expected. It is raucous in this in, in this house. We cultivate that in our house. It is important that we get in a space where people are comfortable enough to disagree, to agree, to figure it out, to make amendments, and then to take a vote. That's what we do. And, and that's not a new thing here. It could be about a resolution to, to shut down network offices. And it's going to get the same amount of debate as this gets. That is just the nature of what we do here. <laughs> Stacey Davis gets on fire. I'm not going to bring Miles in to get his thoughts on this one. I've been dealing with teachers a long time. My mother was a teacher. Got tons of friends who are teachers. Uh, and uh, like I said, you put 1,000 teachers in a room, you're going to get 2,000 uh, points of view. And uh, it's not like the Chicago City Council, all right? It's not like the City Council where the mayor says, do what I say. And the aldermen go, yes, sir, mayor, sir. Or yes, madam, mayor, madam, you know. <laughs> and uh, so it's just not like that. It's just, just a different uh, situation. And, <laughs> man, I wish I was a, a fly on the wall at uh, Teachers Union Hall yesterday. And this is happening live as we're doing the show here. Uh, the teachers reach a tentative contract agreement and suspend the strike. School will be tomorrow. So did they cut a deal on the number of days? This here, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Chicago Teachers Union leaders have agreed to make up five of the days missed during the union strike, putting an end to a contentious few months of bargaining and likely sending 300,000 students back to school. Friday. Hold on, I'm gonna put on my shades. Okay. I'm Brad All Pitt, right. man. All I right. cut the, I I cut I cut the deal right here in the studio. That's Did correct. They, they were you. listening like, oh man, if only we had a good idea. <laughs> Wait. Jarofsky's <laughs> right. <laughs> beep, boop, 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 boop. Call them up. Hey. Hey man, five days. Okay. Uh <laughs> listen, Miles, are are you happy by this? Uh, this is breaking news. Uh Miles Lassen, what's your thoughts on this? Well, of course it's great uh news that the um strike will be ending, the uh, students will be back in the classroom tomorrow. I do think that this is, you know, the way that uh, this has ended is I think it's it's not a great sign for the future of how the this mayor is going to approach issues as they come up. I mean, it is so... Uh, 
uh, unconscionable to me to think that the city's um, bargaining position on this was we're not going to make up any classroom time after you know they've been lamenting the loss of classroom time throughout this entire uh, conflict. That's what they keep saying is we're you know we're punishing the students by keeping them out of the classroom. All that the uh, union is saying is let's you know add those days to the calendar. That's that happens every it happened in 2012. Rom put those days back in the calendar. Rahm Emanuel did that, and Lori Lightfoot <laughs> says I w- am unwilling yeah. to do this. If you look back at the IFT, you know the Illinois Federation of Teachers, the r- recent decades, all, about 75 percent of strikes have ended with. Uh, uh, restoring all the days, which uh, is a normal part of the end of a teacher strike, because you need to um, fulfill obligations, as Jesse Sharkey talked about, the president of the CTU, in order to fulfill, you know, for AP classes, to for state standardized testing, all kinds of uh, these issues need time in the classroom. And for the mayor's position to be, no, we're not going to bargain over that and try to take a hard line on this issue of all issues, um, that's really, it's ominous. I think that that's not great for how, you know, we can expect her to deal with issues in the future. I think it could have ended in a much you know cleaner way with both sides claiming some victory if she would have just said, you know, uh, yes, we'll give you the days back, of course, you know, we'll, and it could have ended last night, you know, and instead she held that hard line position and said, you know, I'm not, you know, going to call anybody, you got to call me. I mean, what? What happened this morning was that uh, apparently 10,000 teachers were out. I'm sure people in Chicago have been outside today. It is terrible. It's, you know, it's the worst kind of rain and sleep mix you can imagine. And yet 10,000 teachers were surrounded City Hall because they know, you know, they're not going to put up with a bum deal. They wanted uh, their classroom time restored and I'm very happy that some of it is going to be restored and I'm happy that um, the strike can reach an end. I mean, what we haven't really talked about is the historic nature of this contract, which really is, you know, a massive move in terms of adding class size limits, adding um, staffing to the um, CPS. So I do think that teachers are going to come out of this on top for sure. But I mean, this is it's, it's not a great way that the mayor has gone about this today. Well, I, uh, you have some more Stacey Davis Gates to play, D? Nah, I think it's old news now. Oh, uh, the deal's love, been done. Yeah, but I just love listening to the report. <laughs> I have not had a time to really uh, go through the uh, uh, the fine print of this deal. Uh, a couple points uh, just, just pop into my head right away. Number one, uh, the language that contracts used in contracts is such gobbledygook. It's such legalese. It's just lawyers' jargon. Uh, part of that, I think, it is the, the skeptic cynic in me, Miles, is that it just makes you more dependent on the lawyers who negotiated the deal. So, in the case of the city, got a guy named James Franchick, has been around forever, knows everything. On the part of the union, you got a guy named Robert Block, he's been around, he knows everything. They've been on the opposite sides of tables many times. They write in a language that the only two of them understand. Well, I got to add Lori Lightfoot to that pool. She's, she's a corporate lawyer, she's done you know, a lot of contract. So, a lot of teachers are frustrated. I'd be frustrated. I mean, make sense of this stuff. So you're trying to make sense of, we have a serious problem, overcrowded uh, classrooms. We have no mechanism to deal with the fact that a teacher could walk into school at the start of the school year and have 40 kids in her class. City of Chicago has never recognized that as a problem because they don't care about poor kids and poor schools. Hate to break it to you, Miles. And so now you have language in a contract. It's the first time the contract is dealt with it in a substantive way, but it's written, it's kind of loose. You don't know exactly what the language is. You don't know what your protections are. So you're you're the teachers last night in the in the um, uh, the, C, the CTU uh, headquarters, and you're trying to get a straight answer from Jesse Sharkey and Stacey Davis Gates 
about what this means. You're trying to get them to translate into regular English that everybody would understand. A bunch of gobbledygook that a couple of lawyers figured out with a third lawyer, Lori Lightfoot. Three lawyers, okay? And so I understand their frustration. If it was real, it would say, we won't tolerate a classroom with more than 28 kids. And if there's more than 28 kids in a classroom, we're going to immediately deal with it. And if we don't, you could take us to a grievance. That would be real language. But that world does not exist, uh, Miles. They, they don't protect the needs and the interests of school kids like they protect the needs and the interests of, let's say, just to pick an example randomly from the world, a developer who's getting city money to develop um Lincoln Yards. Do you agree with me or disagree with me? <laughs> well, you, you won't be surprised I'm uh, uh, on your side on that one. I think that it is pretty incredible that they were able to get this $35 million for, for class size in the contract. I mean, that's $10 million more than any of the previous offers, um, and that's going to go towards enforcement. I mean, the class size limits are the same as in the previous contract, which already were, I mean, those were, that was a victory the last time. The problem, if you ask any teacher, is that they were it just wasn't enforced, and there was no real mechanism and there certainly weren't um, the funds so and the current contract I believe as it's written you know there will be um, uh, caps at the normal um, amount of classroom size for K through three and that's 32 students the areas where it gets a little bit looser is with um, the uh, the four through eight and then in high school uh, they're a little bit higher it's 32 for high school the standard is 25 but once you hit that 32 then they start uh, feeding money and then actually can hire new members for the CTU and expand you know uh, grow the amount of instruction time and instruction capabilities in the classroom because they're gonna you know be able to break up those classes that are uh, that are so big so there are it definitely is a major victory in terms of um, providing protection around class size, which was one of the foundational issues that the teachers union was fighting for over here. But as you say, I mean, I've been part of contract bargaining myself. It is legally is, and they specifically make it very difficult for you to be able to ascertain what's actually going on. And that's why, if you remember back in 2012, the strike lasted an extra two days so that they could let the uh, member, the membership, the teachers actually read the contract on the picket lines and figure it out. I think we're going to see a somewhat similar thing in that, you know, I believe classes probably can get back tomorrow, but the, the the union's got to vote on it. You know, the House of Delegates has approved this tentative agreement, but the membership still has to vote. And that's part of, you know, what you hear the CTU leadership saying about, you know, being messy. This is one of the most democratic unions, certainly teacher unions in the country in terms of how they've organized themselves. So you're going to have teachers having more of a voice in this. And it only passed out of the House of Delegates 60-40. I think that's a strong vote, considering how much you can expect people to be uh, on, you know, different sides of this issue without fully understanding it, without having tons of time to read the contract. Um, but that's, I, I completely agree with you in, in terms of like, this is, they specifically, the, the uh, CPS's side, made it kind of more gobbledygook than it needed to be. Uh, and uh, by the way, 60-40, as I pointed out earlier, 60-40 uh, would be considered um, a supermajority mandate uh, in the language of Donald Trump. Uh, but uh, in terms of uh, teachers' union contracts, it's a, it's a contentious deal. I'm going to do a little history lesson for everyone. I'm going to use the wit. <laughs> <What? laughs> 
I bet Miles, by the way, we just, right. I just yeah. looked over at Dennis. He's got his scrotch out. Miles, and wait, wait to meet a boomer halfway, by the way, <laughs> saying gobbledygook as well. That's good. Uh, and Miles, by the way, what's your Halloween uh, costume? Oh, I got it right here. Hold on a second. Oh, oh wow. he brought one. Oh, he brought one. Hey. See, I'm Brad Pitt. Hey, from, uh, once upon a time. Took his pair of glasses <laughs> and put it on his face. Oh, okay. <laughs> what, now, what's that? Wait. I was planning to go with Brad Pitt from uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Are you kidding? <laughs> by the way, have you seen Once Upon a Time I actually haven't oh, uh, seen it. This, this is a little gag. You know? right, it's a good gag. By the way, go, go and when you're done seeing that, see Parasite. Excellent movie. Cannot recommend that enough. Uh, but I'm going to do a little history lesson that only an old guy would know, uh, having to do with teachers' uh, contracts. Back, I think it was 2002. Don't quote me, everybody, because uh, I'm doing this from memory. Uh, Debbie Lynch was the head of the Chicago Teachers Union, and she was negotiating a contract. There was not a strike uh, with, I believe it was Arnie Duncan, was the head of the Chicago Public Schools back then. Of course, everything was run by Mayor Richard M. Daley. I think, Young Miles, you were a scholar at Whitney Young when this was going down. And... Um, uh, Debbie Lynch came out of the negotiations proclaiming a great deal for teacher. I remember this. I think she got, we got you the whole hog. I think that was what she said. Mm. Don't quote me on that one, but I think it was the whole hog. And uh, when it, the teachers were reading through it, they go, what is this? Beep. And they, they voted it down. They rejected it. Okay. And so Debbie Lynch, I had to go back to Arnie Duncan and say, hey, you got to give me something to take care of my teachers. But she had already gone on the record endorsing it strongly. And then as a result, I wouldn't be surprised here. Next time she was up for re-election, boom, she was ousted. Uh, and then the teachers changed. Uh, I believe that's when they brought in Marilyn Stewart. So the point is, it's like it's not the Chicago City Council approving a TIF deal. You know what I'm saying? Where you've got 26 at least votes guaranteed. If you told them to jump up and down and do a backflip, if the mayor said that, that's what they would do. You know, you, it's a, it is a democratic organization, and uh, small d uh, democratic, and they do have minds of their own. And there are consequences for leaders who try to stuff a deal down their throats. Well, and this, I mean, the, the union came into this with some pretty sky-high demands, understandably. I think the way that this was uh, framed was this is not just a defensive fight over scraps. We now have, you know, new funding mechanisms through the state that's going to, you know, bring a billion, a billion new dollars into CPS. And we have a mayor who ran on the CTU's education agenda, essentially, you know. And that's what's so funny about, you know, the when Mayor Lightfoot said, you know, I'm not going to be, like, pressured into accepting the CTU's political agenda the other day when they were talking about the school board. She ran on that. That was yeah. her campaign talking point. So, you know, it's a little bit of, uh, strange to now say, you know, that's CTU. Oh, that's CTU's thing. That's, you know, that was full of her talking points. Anybody uh, followed the campaign remembers that. But of course, the, you know, they're not going to get everything. That's not how any of these labor negotiations work. And understandably, there's going to be people that are upset about um, the deal that is on the table. I mean, I'm not here to you know sell the deal to any teachers, but I do think that in terms of moving the city, as you you know pointed out earlier, this would not have happened if it had not been a strike. And, and Mayor Lightfoot admitted that the other day when she said we didn't really get to work on many of these things <laughs> till after the strike happened. It's not as if the teachers weren't demanding this stuff ten months ago. You know, it's just that this is it took um, stopping the you know the gears of the Chicago public school system in order for there to be real movement from the city's side to meet these teachers uh, at least halfway. And I mean, if you if you look at it, you know, it does take until the end of the contract and it's going to be a five year contract. But by the end of that, by 2023, they say that there will be 
um, a nurse in every school, that there's going to be a social worker in every school community, you know, that they're going to add, I think it's 250 more nurses and 209 um, social workers, that's a lot, you yeah. know, and, and certainly in terms, and that's going to be directed towards the neediest schools first. That also expands CTU's membership, which is one thing every union wants to do, you know, at a time, especially when they've been facing cuts and threats. There's also, you know, a net zero growth of charter, of board approved charter schools. So, I mean, this does a lot to protect the future of public education. And I think it puts the union in a much stronger position going forward to say, hey, look, this is what we've won. We want to build on that. Uh, going forward. So, I mean, I do think that that there's going to be teachers that are upset about it because it doesn't, you know, hit every goal post that the CT would set out at the beginning. But I think that that's the way you do bargaining when you want to go on offense. You know, that's a, I wrote about this at the guardian, a piece uh, on, you know, how this represents a real attack on that whole corporate neoliberal education movement that had been um, so ascendant in the United States for so long. And certainly during the last teacher strike, now there's a period where, you know, you see Democrats national, backing away from that. Um, and the CTU saw this as an opportunity to actually enshrine the future of public education, especially for a system that is, you know, almost 90 percent people of color and low income students. So um, I think it is going to be widely viewed as a victory for the union. But of course, there's going to be debate amongst the membership as there should be. Yeah, no, I'm I'm debating it myself, but I, I agree it is an important first step. And uh, I'm going to say this to every teacher out there, every teacher I know. Look, you guys were standing up for the poorest of the poor in this country. That's not a group that gets any help from the powers that be. It's just a fact. You're up. You're making demands to help the poorest of the poor. You're not making demands that'll help the richest of the rich. The richest of the rich already have their their demands are generally met. Miles Dennis and I call this the brown line blue line divide. Oh, yeah. And to get to work every day, we take two trains. We take the brown line, which goes through the wealthiest part of town where Dennis and I live, because we're enormously fabulously successful podcasters. Correct fortune. <laughs> We're balling. And I can tell by the studio. <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? Labs luxury. And uh, so, yeah, you know, when you're just like uh, you know, a wildly <laughs> successful and wealthy podcaster, you make a fortune. So you can live in the brown line country. But to get here, we have to take the blue line. The difference between the brown line and the blue line just represents the city of Chicago. The brown line, boom, you can expect your trains to be on time. They're coming. B- blue line, Good luck, baby. It's like Vegas, as Dennis says. You roll the dice. You don't know what's coming up. Could be 10 minutes. Could be 20 minutes. Could be a half hour delay. Then they get this little message that comes over the loudspeaker. You can't understand what they're saying. because For some reason, the loudspeakers don't work as well on the blue line as they do on the brown line. So that's the city of Chicago, folks. You got the brown line and you got the blue line. On the north side of the city of Chicago, the schools, they can... They can skate through, even if the Board of Ed is not providing money. Why? Miles knows this, because you've got parents with money. They kick a little in and pick up the, 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 the load, carry the load that the Board of Ed in the Chicago public schools and the mayor of the city of Chicago are not providing. Poor schools can't do that. So teachers went on strike on behalf of poor schools, Miles. And then what did they discover? They discovered the leaders of the city of Chicago responded to them stepping up for poor kids by giving them the middle finger, telling them to shut up and uh, take the money. I'll tell you what, it's hard for me, Miles. I appreciate your optimism. It's hard for me at this moment 
to be uh, as optimistic as I want to be because I'm so disappointed one more time by the city of Chicago that I, for reasons I still don't understand, have decided to spend my life in. They don't give a beep about the poorest of the poor. It doesn't seem like anything has changed uh, since Harold Washington died in 1987. Please tell me I'm too old, too cynical, and set in my ways. Give me some hope here, Miles. Well, we got a city council full of young progressives now that has been, you know, completely changing the political landscape in the, in that body and that has been pushing forward actual bold demands that would finally wrest some power away from the corporate, you know, power brokers and overlords in the city and redistribute it to the most neediest communities. And that includes, you might have seen a, a op-ed in the Sun-Times recently by uh, the six Democratic Socialist aligned city council members all saying, look, there's money. There's, we, we're not broke. There's money to pay for these things and so much more if we have the political will to take on the uh, power centers in the city and actually advocate for and center the most neediest and most marginalized communities, the same ones that have been hit by um, decades of austerity and that has caused this mass flight of poor people out of the city. And one thing that I think, you know, there will be plenty of debate over the um, CTU and CPS's deal, but one thing that's gotten a little bit overlooked is the SEIU 73 contract that was signed, and that really represents the poorest of the poor. I mean, these are special education classroom assistants, bus aides, janitors, uh, security officers. These are the people that work in the schools that are not um, covered under the CTU contract, but they're with SEIU. These were people that were getting paid literal starvation wages. I mean, less than $35,000 a year for a full-time job working in, you know, uh, uh, working at the schools. That's insane. You know, everybody that says, you know, teachers are overpaid, which I, you know, heavily disagree with. Look at what the, um, the seekers were making. So there's a, up to a 40% wage increase. Um, as a result of this strike for um, special education classroom assistance for bus aides up to 27%, security offers, officers up to 32%. So these are huge wage increases, and they were won as a result of a strike, as a result of withholding the labor, and really solidarity between the CTU and the SE, and SEIU 73. That's what was so monumental, I think, about this strike, is that both unions went out in coordination, and even after 73 got their uh, TA, they still stayed out on the picket lines to um, show support for the um, the workers at, at, under the CTU. So I, I don't I, I really doubt that SEIU would have gotten close to this uh, good of a deal had it not been for the CTU bringing them in and you know them working together on on this labor action. So that gives me some hope that there can be you know the uh, actual unified work around labor issues and labor grievances and that can actually have massive impacts. I mean, this is going to result in a 40% wage increase. You know, that's a huge for uh, for a new contract. So I do think that that's one thing that was a pure win for uh, the workers and a loss for, for you know, their their bosses. I want to say uh, two things in response. Number one, uh, SCAU 73. Jeffrey Howard was in the studio last Thursday, was it, D? Was it Friday? I can't remember. Thursday. Thursday. And so, folks, you can listen. Wait, to it was it. Friday. Fr thank you. Mike. <laughs> Make up your mind. Uh, okay, he's got that Groucho Marx thing going. Uh, so you can hear that, but not now because you're listening to me and Miles, but uh, you can go hear what he has to say. And Miles, you know what the, I feel like? First of all, thank you very much for restoring uh, some faith in humanity just there. I really appreciate that. But this is the kind of debate that probably went on last night in that union hall where I'm like some old teacher who brings his sack lunch to school every day eating avocado and cheese sandwiches. And everybody goes, God, how old are you? And uh, you're the union guy explaining 
you know, take a take a look at the bright side of things. And, you know, I'm convinced I probably would have voted for the deal. I probably would have wanted just to end the strike. Uh, but I think you're, listen, I don't want to be completely cynical. You're, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, the teachers took a stand for the poorest of the poor and forced the city to make some kind of concessions for the poorest of the poor that they wouldn't have made in a million years if you didn't have 25,000 teachers on the street with SEIU joining them. And don't forget the Park District employees. Yeah. They cut that deal before the strike, probably figuring that would undercut the teachers. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that Lori Lightfoot's no dope, mm-hmm. okay? She knows what she's doing. And um, Well, I do want to just say on that, though, it's a surprises me how they've approached this because uh, you know they, who's the they, they being uh, Lori Lightfoot and her team because mm-hmm. they asked the teachers to go back to school before a contract was reached then they said you know this was ne- a, a return to work agreement was never part of what was on the table that's always on the table you know you have to figure out that's the last stage of bargaining you get the contract you get the tentative agreement and then you figure out you know there needs to be you know uh, some discussion around how this fits into the rest of the school year. That's what's happened every time. That's what happens. You know, you saw it with the UIC grad student walkout recently. The same thing happened. They reached a TA, and then they went to the return to uh, work agreement. That happens every time. So for Mayor Lightfoot's team to say, oh, now they're bringing up these new demands out of nowhere, it just seems insincere and as if either they don't have um, knowledge of how these negotiations usually work, or they're maybe this is part of their grand scheme to try to undercut uh, the union. But I don't know if that was necessarily savvy on their part because the, the message to teachers was, oh, they don't care about us clearly if they're not going to even consider adding classroom time back to uh, the school year, which they now have backed away from. And it sounds like the uh, the mayor's office and the city have uh, been willing to negotiate what they said they wouldn't. All right, here's my hope for Lori Lightfoot. I'm going. To, I'm going to make a concession that uh, she's a shrewd, brilliant tactician at the bargaining table, and uh, I'm going to, only going to ask that going forward, when it comes to co- negotiating uh, TIF deals, she shows that same shrewdness, that same brilliance uh, that she employed with the teachers. That's all I ask. Okay, you're dealing with the, a union. All right, you're so shrewd, and you know you know how to play the game, and you, you know you know how about the return to work, and you're not going to get. Uh, I'm going to concede that it's brilliant negotiating on the part of Lori Lightfoot. I just want to see it on the next parking meter deal. Mm-hmm. How about that? How about some brilliant negotiating when it comes to a parking meter? Ed Maher's just walking the studio, he's nodding his head. How about some brilliant negotiating on the part of a mayor when it comes to dealing with a parking meter deal? Uh, all right, enough talk at the teachers for a while. But Ed Maher will be on in a little while. We're probably talking uh, teacher issues as well with him. But I need to know your thoughts, um, Miles, on the impeachment vote that went down. We've been so uh, absorbed with the local issues of the teacher strike and the uh, the deal that they just cut. Uh, and while we were talking, I think Congress, I've been in the bubble, they voted to officially launch the uh Impeachment process? Is that what happened? What, what yeah, the, the Nancy Pelosi actually presided, very unusual, she presided over the House and uh, voted on this. Uh, this is obviously not actually impeaching the president, but
but it's a resolution that formalizes the impeachment inquiry. Mm-hmm. So this puts to rest all of these, you know, this has been the Republicans' main talking point for so long was, oh, we're doing this, you know, the Democrats have started this Soviet-style, you know, inquiry and into the impeachment, and it's not in the public eye, and they didn't actually vote for it. Uh, well, today, the House voted uh, 232 to 196 to go forward with uh, formalizing this impeachment effort. And what that means is that there will uh, start to be public hearings. Um, that I don't know exactly when, how soon they'll start, but that will be a major turning point because the whole country will be able to see um, the uh, testimony from all of these people that have been behind closed doors uh, corroborating uh, what is apparently, you know, a, the a break from presidential norms and an abuse of power in terms of putting pressure on Ukrainian President Zelensky to try to get dirt on uh, Trump's political opponents uh, through an actual quid pro quo, which has now been put forward by people that were involved in that um, negotiation, apparently, with uh, with Zelensky. And, you know, the result of it, I think, is going to be uh, an impeachment of Donald Trump is what from the House. That is what it, everything is looking like, unless there's some, you know, new information that comes to light. And why this is so interesting is that the Republicans, actually Republican senators, went to the White House today to meet with Trump's legal team, meet with, you know, some political... They, the, the White House does not have a communications staff right now. So the only... What the Republicans are doing, they've been focusing on process. They've been saying, you know, this is we're going they're going about it the wrong way. And this the public is being kept out. Well, now they're in a tighter spot because the House has actually voted on this and it's going to be in the public view. So they can't complain about it just in terms of process anymore. And of course, the House Democrats have to lead this because people compare it to previous impeachments. Well, in those impeachments, there were special counsels. You know, there's, there is no special counsel right now. This was all done through a whistleblower. So the only way that this can be investigated is through uh, the, the channels through Congress. And Lord knows the Republicans don't want to investigate it. They swept it under the rug as much as possible. And everybody in his administration, what you might start to see, I mean, John Bolton left the uh, former national security advisor, left the administration very recently. He's the person that apparently is, you know, on record calling this a drug deal, the way that Trump was negotiating with Ukraine. <laughs> He's been called in uh, to uh, for next uh, this coming Friday to or ne- next Friday for uh, for questioning. I don't know if I'll actually go forward with that or not. But if you start to see these people that actually worked in the White House, I mean, you saw it with Bill Taylor, the former ambassador, uh, Lieutenant Vindman recently said that actually there was major parts of that transcript of the call that were oh, missing yeah. um, that were probably more uh, incriminating for the president. So there's plenty more information I think that's going to come out. And this was a pretty historic vote today because it's going to uh, start the ball rolling much faster on uh, these impeachment proceedings. I'm sorry, I just couldn't hear. What was the vote number totals that you have? It's 232 to 196. And were there any Republicans who voted? No. Yeah. No, no Republicans. And there was two Democrats. I forget their names that um, that that, yeah. that didn't vote for it as well. Uh, Amash, the former Republican turned independent from Michigan, did vote, vote for, for it. it. Okay, yeah. yeah. But so, no Republicans. No, no, wow. Okay, well, I guess 
they all love the president. All right, uh, before we let you go, Miles, uh, any uh, give folks uh, a shout out for any stories you've written that they should know about that they could find that they could read. Sure. Well, we've been to. doing tons of uh, CTU strike coverage uh, at in these times, so please uh, read that. We have a recent story by my colleague uh, Sarah Lazar that kind of looks at the history of this form of uh, bargaining for the common good, which is how the CTU approached this contract, which is uh, not exactly novel, but it has a very proud and long history of uh, unions fighting for the broader working class through their contract deals, but it's unfortunately been very rare as of late. So her piece looks at some of the history of that. we also uh, will have a story soon by Rebecca Burns on the outcome of the strike. It sounds like that's <laughs> pretty much uh, done for. So that's 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 good to hear. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Miles K Lassen um, and um, check out yeah all of our coverage in these times. All right, very good, Miles. And Thanks so much. For Miles, coming. that was an adorable costume you had today. Would you want some candy here? I got uh, Reese's yeah. peanut butter cup, almond joy, <laughs> Kit Kat, or all three. I please take all three. All I right. can use a sugar rush. Got also, you, I wanted I wanted to let Ben and, and you know I, you know who I saw last night, Mr. Bob Dylan in the flesh at the at, at, at UIC, oh. and he. Killed it. That was that, that right? was that was one of the best uh, concerts was I've seen in a very long time. Was he playing guitar or keyboard? He, you know, he played guitar for the first song. I forget what he played. A lot of songs from that uh, "Time Out of Mind" record, yeah. his 1997 record, and he. Uh, but a lot of Highway uh, 61 stuff too. And he was playing the harmonica. Uh, pretty, um, pretty, any pretty any instrumentals? Uh, <laughs> no, we got. Ah man, uh, we, we got a lot of his, uh, his his voice. His voice was sounding great. He's 78 years yeah, old. He's no, still Bobby's killing it. up there. I, I'm a big Bob. Everybody knows I'm a big Bob Dylan fan. But the la- last concert I saw. He was kind of like a croaking toad. So I said, that's it. I'm yeah. not going to see Bob Dylan anymore. Can't understand a word he's saying. I saw him once many years ago, and it was not a great experience. Yeah. But this uh, restored some faith. They were rocking it. All so. right. That's good to hear. Young Bob Dylan at seven. And happy Halloween to everybody. Happy Halloween. Yes, indeed. Uh, and congratulations to the teachers and the city of Chicago for cutting Yay the deal. Yay for our teachers. Yay for our teachers. Ed Maher on deck. Man knows a thing or two about unions. He could help us sort out. The, I mean, here's my, I'm going to ask Ed. I'm going to prepare him for when I'm going to ask him right now i uh will play the role of the upset union worker who doesn't like the deal that his negotiators cut so how do you convince how does a union convince uh its members who are not completely happy that it's actually a good deal for them we'll get ed maher's thoughts on that when we return did you know that 40 percent of the people in illinois opt to be cremated well it's true And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago LandCremationOptions.com. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. 
Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind, but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F-M as in Mary, A-N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader 